Hello there, friends. Uh, welcome back to the Expert Edge. Today uh, is a good conversation with one of my dear friends. Her name is Jasmine Starr. Uh, her and her husband have become really close friends of mine uh, probably the last seven years. And um, I've had the privilege of seeing kind of the inside journey of, of them growing and scaling their business. Uh, they are, both of them, uh, are phenomenal business owners and business thinkers. And today I've got Jasmine on the podcast on the Expert Edge, and we talk all things launching, scaling, growing your expert business. Uh, you may know Jasmine Starr from her Instagram. She's got a, she's got a few followers there. And uh, also Social Curator, uh, which is just a phenomenal membership program uh, for your social media advancement. But today's conversation, we're taking a little bit of a shift. We're, we're looking deeper inside of the, uh, the, the drive, the structure, the systems that she's put in place to run multi-six and million dollar launches in her business. And so today we're talking about launching. We're talking about the launching process. And so if you want to create more revenue in your business uh, in the next 60 days, then uh, this conversation is going to help you a lot. Now, I also do want to highlight that at the time of this recording uh, that's, that's dropping, uh, Jasmine is about to run a masterclass on this exact topic. And it's all about how you can double your revenue through a proven launch plan. So she's going to lay out her launch plan, what it looks like. Um, so that you can swipe it, use it, and implement it. And so if you just go to colinboyd.co forward slash jasmine, that's C-O-L-I-N-B-O-Y-D dot co forward slash jasmine, uh, you can go and register there. I'll definitely recommend you to go and sign up. This is a fresh take for Jasmine. It's a new, it's a new endeavor that she's launching out in. And I always think it's a great time to jump in when someone who has had an, a lot of experience in something, is launching something new. So definitely go and check that out, columnboy.co forward slash Jasmine. Check out her Double Your Revenue in Under 60 Days Masterclass. And so let's get into this conversation all about launching, growing, scaling with Jasmine Starr. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Jasmine Starr, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you, Colin Boyd. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, I'm really excited to have this conversation because you are an incredible business strategist, uh, a great friend of mine, and you've had a big impact in my philosophy of building my business from a brand perspective, from an audience perspective, and from a launching perspective. And I'm super excited to be able to ask you, put you in the hot seat. I know you said you were nervous before we jumped on. I did. I admitted the truth, Colin. I'm like, you are a fantastic <laughs> interviewer and you cut no corners. And so I was like, I got to bring my A game. I got I to show up big time. Oh, it's going to be chilly hot, this hot seat. So. <laughs> so good. It's going to be fun. Now, uh, in terms of the context of today, I mean, I, I would love to have a conversation that really looks at the journey of you building your business and, and dive deep into some practical strategies for the listeners to use to grow their brand, to build their launches, because uh, you've just done so many things. 
And the first time we met um, was actually in a mastermind several years ago. And uh, I was getting to know you. I got to know your husband really well at the start, especially. And I remember I was actually, this was, you know, about six or seven years ago before I actually moved to the US. And I remember calling you. I don't know if you remember that. I was in the middle of running a launch myself and I was like, who should I call? And I called Jasmine Starr. And I remember saying to one of my friends, I was like, oh yeah, I just called Jasmine Starr. I was chatting about the launch we're running. And they're like, you called Jasmine Starr? Like you just called her up. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just called her up. <laughs> and they're like, you know, Jasmine's like a rock star. She's like, she's, and, and so I was like, oh, wow. Like I was still like getting to know how you guys read. And so it's been a blessing to be friends with you and get to know you. But could you share, uh, your, you started out as a photographer and you did really well in the photography space. And then you transitioned into running an expert business. Talk to us about that transition, what that looked like, why you made that transition, uh, and so that people can have a bit of context to the type of business you're running now. You know, when I think back to this, Colin, it's like the industry has changed so much. And so oftentimes when I go back to like a, the start of when things began to change for me, it feels like it was such a long time ago. Like people, mm. you know, when you think back to maybe 10, 15, 16 years ago, it's I was starting a business and there was this thing called the internet. And then there was this newish kind of sort of thing that really descended upon my life around 2010 and 2011. And that was social media. And so there was like this crosshairs where I had started a service-based business. I had this dream of being a photographer, but I didn't have any money. I didn't have a website. I, I was renting all of my camera gear, but I just thought if I can just get things going, but because I didn't have any money, I started a blog and it was a free blog and I was just posting my photos to that and I was writing what I was going through in my life and I was really sharing the journey. And one thing that you and I really clicked with right when we met was our love for story. And we understand that story moves people. But back then, I didn't know that stories were a mechanism for conversion. All I knew was I was simply documenting my story as I was creating a business. Now, in full disclosure, I didn't think that my business was going to work. I was just doing it as proof. I wanted to document that I took a risk and I tried something mm -hmm. and it didn't work. And I was going to go back to law school because I had dropped out when my mom had brain cancer. And so I was like, this is me spending a year and I'm going to document. I'm going to build a time capsule for that one time I tried something and it didn't work. That was my full belief. And then lo and behold, in the process of sharing the story and in the process of creating content. Now, when we talk about creating content, like we go back to 2007 and creating content was, I'm just writing blog posts. I'm just truly finding a way to connect with people. And so much so that in my first year of business, I make over $100,000 as a photographer. Now, I wasn't even all that great, but people knew on a subconscious level that we're investing in the photographer as much as the photography. And that has been a constant theme in every part of my business. And when I see other successful entrepreneurs, I think that they understand it's not just the thing that they sell, it's a piece of them that goes into it. And that was my first understanding of what was going on during that time. And people started asking me, so I didn't know at the time that my business was gonna be two-pronged. I had clients who were booking me for photography and then there were photographers who were really interested in how I was able to grow a mm. profitable business from the beginning. And I didn't know how to scale it. And so I just started again, even a year into my business, I still don't have a website. I have this blog and I'm just creating content and people are asking me questions. And then I start to create PDFs, things that I'm learning 
And I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing. There's this online shop. And so I just started uploading PDFs and resources that people can buy when they want it. And I just thought, well, I have two revenue streams. I have my photography with clients and then the photographers who are also customers. And I thought this was going to be the thing. And I actually struggled getting people consistently going back to the shop for those things. And I just kind of felt like, well, my whole goal is to get traffic there, get traffic there, and then fingers crossed, hope that they convert or they transact. And so when I look back at that time in my life, I think to myself, I had a business that was online. I didn't have an online business. And the difference between the two is somebody on the internet could buy what I was selling. That is having a business online. But an online business is having strategy. It's having a mechanism for conversion. It is a, it's a mix of showing up consistently and storytelling and making such an irresistible offer in a given time frame that somebody must, in that moment, make a decision. And that is when I saw my entire business radically change. And that was about the time our paths had intersected. So you and I mm. met like 2015, 2016, 17-ish? Yeah, 2016, so 17. So I spent a it decade. Was, it was in that transition, yeah. Exactly. I spent a decade selling it one way, thinking this is as good as it's uh, going to get. And then you and I meet, and I'm thinking, oh, there's a ton of ideas and fissures and new ways of doing it and challenging. And that's when my business really um, like 10 x mm. Tell us about the first time you ran a launch and what that looked like. So I, I, okay. So I just explained, we had this online store and I was like, there's gotta be this thing. There's gotta be like a mechanism. And so I joined a mastermind and I had this idea that I wanted to sell this educational experience. Now, this was actually called a course and I didn't know that the, at the time that people made courses. <laughs> I just thought, I'm like, there's yeah. this new idea that no one has ever heard of and I'm just going to create a way for people. Okay, so all of a sudden my eyes were completely opened to what a course was and what digital marketing was. I had no idea. And so I wanted to launch a course uh, for $2,500 and it was a branding and marketing course. And I knew it was going after and our mutual mentor at the time had said, that's a great idea, but this is the first time you've ever done it. I think that that's a very big step because at the time I was selling digital products for like $20, $30. And he's like, I don't know if your audience is yeah. ready for $2,500. And he's like, why don't you just start small and scrappy? And I was like, uh, okay. So I spent $25,000 to join this mastermind, which I thought was crazy because I was like, oh, I'm going to spend 25,000. <laughs> like, I'm going to figure out how to make it work. And then all of a sudden I all, I, I gave myself two months. I was like, you have to make this mm. mastermind worth it. Like you have to get your money back. Mm. So I had two months to put together a course and launch it. And I thought that that was crazy, but our mentor, James had asked, what is something that people are always asking you about? And I'm like, Instagram for business, Instagram for business. And he's like, great, a nice entry starting point. I priced the course at $197. I, uh, for the first time in my entire life, had built out an email funnel. No idea what that was. For the first time in my life, I learned what a cost per lead or earnings per lead was. For the first time in my life, I heard of a landing page. For the first time in my life, I'm teaching a live class. For the first time in my life, I'm picking out a sales page. Like everything was a first for me. And so that first launch, I just crossed my fingers and I was like, let's see what happens. And that first launch, it was a seven day cart open and we made $255,000 at one time. And that call in was when my entire life changed because in the span of a week, I had made more than I had made the previous entire year. 
$255,000. I'm the, I'm the daughter of an immigrant. I'm first generation Latina. My dad couldn't, didn't make $255,000 in four or five years. And that's Mm. when I knew that I had learned a system and I had continued iterating on a system that really got results. And that's the start of every consistent challenge for myself was how do I get bigger the next time? How do I get bigger the next time? And so that methodology in less than 12 months brought in a million dollar revenue stream. And the following year, we began creating launches that did over a million dollars in the same time frame, And then we just continued to launch and launch and launch. And the business just got bigger over time. Mm, I love that. So what I'm hearing is that you asked the question of what does my audience want? And what am I kind of known for? What am I good at? And then you launched a introductory offer, something that was an irresistible offer that people wanted. And, and then everything kind of like moved from there. I'm curious in terms of when you're in a launch, how do you mentally manage yourself and emotionally manage yourself? Because Mm. there's a lot of time, energy, and financial investment when you're doing, especially if you're trying to grow the launches, right? You start, you're trying to grow the business. How do you, what are some strategies that you use to stay in a good place? And what does that kind of look like? Uh, I love this question and I have never been asked it, but I want to go through and I want to clarify something that you had just presented. You said, what does my audience want? And I wish, I wish I was asking myself that question earlier on. It wasn't until James Mm -hmm. had asked me, well, what are you asked of the most? Because in my best intention, I thought my audience wanted a branding course, a high-end branding course. But oftentimes when you make an offer, there is this implicit understanding that people aren't buying your course and they're not buying your membership. They're not buying a subscription. They're not buying your digital offering. What they're buying is a result or at least a belief in a result. And I think Mm. that James saw something that I did. And I really want to share that with the audience here is people are buying a result. And for your first time out, or perhaps you've been launching something and it's not really hitting, then there is the capacity for you to reframe, not the offer itself, but reframe the positioning of the offer so that you're highlighting the results, AKA the transformation. And I think it took me a much longer time to understand the difference between, well, what does my audience want versus what am I being asked of? And I think that, you know, you and I had a conversation, you were on my podcast, And you and I had a conversation offline, and I think that I admitted to you that people were asking for something that made me very intimidated. And I continued just to push it off and push it off and push it off because I was just like, I don't know if I have the capacity to solve for that, Colin. And, you know, now after pushing it off for six or seven years, I now have built relationships with different organizations and companies that want to come in partnership and talk about like, how can we make this happen? And for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, This is the thing that I was born to do. And I think that when people are listening, it is not just what do you think your audience wants? It's what have you been asked for, even if it scares you a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so uh, how we're preparing, I had a great conversation with my naturopath. And when there's there's, there's two parts, there is an inflection of every story. There's the person before the inflection point, And then there's the person after. And if I were to go back to 2016, 2017, 2018, during those launches, I was like a wild banshee. 
My cortisone, my cortisol levels were through the roof. I was living on freaking adrenaline. I literally yeah. could have lifted a bus off a baby. I was like, we're doing this thing. And it was just like, I wasn't sleeping. I was going gung ho. I was just, I'm like, you just push for this week. And then literally day eight, I got sick. I would sleep for three days. I was exhausted. I was cranky. I couldn't rally back. And I realized that if I wanted this mechanism, if I wanted launching to be a part of my business and my life, then I needed to create correlations between the two that would be longstanding. And so I started asking myself, what would, when did I not feel the best during launches? And it was when I was eating late because I had to make dinner like late and just like, what do we have? Okay, let's just throw things together or let's just DoorDash. So we ate a lot of to-go food, anything fast. And so now as I'm preparing for a launch, I'm either meal prepping or I am I'm, I'm paying somebody to help me meal prep and bring over food so that I'm not turning to really unhealthy options that don't make me feel great. Um, during a launch, I do no sugar during a launch. I love sugar. I do. It's terrible for me. It's terrible. I love a good sweet tooth. No sugar because of the crashes thereafter and how it changes, yeah. um, how it changes my behavior. Another thing is I will not compromise on a workout. And I think that what happens mm -hmm. is during the middle of a launch, it like your self-care just, well, we got to do that, put this fire out and put this fire out. But if we are not in our best state, us putting out a fire will take us twice as long. And so if we are continuously uh, hydrating and if we're continuously feeding ourselves the right foods, if we are continuously having some sort of body movement, sunlight, um, getting at least eight hours of sleep, then we're not setting ourselves up to, at the end of the course, feel just as great as when you started. And so those are just a, a few things that really have uh, changed, not just my results in business, but how I feel after. Mm, it's so true. There's kind of like, there's launch care, which is like the, you have to take care of the launch and then there's that self-care, which is directly correlated, like how you, how you show up. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, in terms of you growing as a, as a business owner, because you've gone through so many evolutions. I mean, I was in the room when you first pitched this random idea of social curator, mm -hmm. which has been incredibly successful, you know, just a, a standout in the industry of, in terms of providing social content for people and you're continually innovating that. But, I, but how, how have you, how do you keep developing yourself? Cause you, you really do also, uh, I feel like you relaunch yourself, you know, every couple of years, you, you, you strategically relaunch your website, your, your brand, your business. Tell me about the journey of your evolution and how you've thought about your own personal growth through this journey. I think the greatest disadvantage to a thought leader, course creator, speaker, any professional is to show people or tell people that you are innovative, a leader, doing things in new ways, and not have the visual components of your business and brand match those things. So if you are uh, purportedly a thought leader, if you are purportedly avant garde, if you are purportedly sought after, and all of the visuals, online do not reflect that, then there is a discontinuum and a disconnect for people to actually connect the dots on their own. So then we spend a lot of time trying to convince people instead of having visual components that do the convincing for us. And so it's always been a very conscious effort 
every, I mean, I wish I could do it more than this, but it seems like the cadence for me has been every two years. Every two years, we are going through and really asking ourselves, who is, like, who am I right now? Who am I okay mm -hmm. stepping away from? Because every time you change, you are stepping away from something or someone and stepping into the person you want to be to attract the next level of your life, business, and people who are surrounded by you. And I think that when we get into that cognizant place, it's scary and it's sometimes a little bit sad because sometimes with us letting go of things, a part of our identity, sometimes friendships, sometimes strategic alliances, they no longer serve for where we are. But I think it's like every time you look at this and say, is this the best reflection of who I am? And if the answer is no, if you're looking at your social media, if you're looking at your website, if you're looking at your email responses, if you're looking at your YouTube channel and, you're, and you say, this is not the best reflection of who I am, then the longer you sit in that, the worse, the harder, the slower your growth is going to be. And so for me, I've always just always wanted to stay on top of challenging it and sit in the uncomfortability of the constant iteration and change. Mm. I, I feel like you're an incredible person in brand. And I, and I said this to you when we were hanging out recently that I feel like you have this genius in understanding marketing and how to really attract an audience and actually implementing it. Because I feel like marketing can feel very esoteric, very kind of like out there and tough to understand how to actually do it. But you're brilliant at, at bridging that gap. How do you, like when, I, when we talk about the idea of marketing your business or brand, like building a brand, what, what do you think about in terms of, let's say a client was to come to you and say, hey, Jasmine, I would love to, as an expert, as a coach, I would love to build my brand so that I can set myself up to run incredible launches. Like, what do you start to think about as the core elements of building their brand? I mean, the, the, the kingpin, the go-to guy for brand building and marketing is Seth Godin, basically the godfather in online brand building. And he describes a brand as a set or a series of emotions, stories, and decisions that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one business over another. And that's a really fancy way of saying we make decisions on experience. And then in the most simplest, simplest terms, simplest terms, is a brand is what somebody says about you when you're not in the room. A brand is how you make somebody feel. And oftentimes what has happened is that we, we, we have disguised brand as colors and websites and fonts and typography and business cards because that's the safe zone to, to, to play in. But you could have the best and the nicest website and the best cards, but if you're actually not cognizant of how you make somebody feel, then you're not building a brand, you're building marketing. So what is marketing? Marketing is awareness, getting people aware about your offer or who you are. But a brand, a brand is why they choose you because everybody's marketing all the time. Like I have to tell you, like you're not the only person who's doing this thing that you're doing, right? So people are like, my industry is so competitive to which I respond, every industry is so competitive. Now people are like, she's so great at marketing. Correct. Some of us are strong in getting awareness about who it is we are and what we do. But brand, brand is so much more elusive because we have a hard time identifying how we can make somebody feel something. 
And for many years, I would hide behind my lack of education, my lack of knowledge, my lack of money, my lack of connections, my, li- my, my lack of like life experience, my lack of the luxury market, that I actually wasn't truly sharing who I was. I, I, it was easier for me to say like, oh, I'm just studying photography and these are the things that I'm, uh, I, I'm learning and this is what my gear is. And then as I kind of shifted into creating educational content for entrepreneurs, I'd be like, oh, well, here are the key metrics of building a brand. And every time I fell into the insecure, I'm going to show up as the professional, it always fell flat. The best things was truly identifying either one of two emotions, what I was feeling and then doing about that emotion or what I believe my client was feeling and doing that emotion. And so all of a sudden, everything I began putting out had such a current of what are you feeling and this is how I help or this is how I'm feeling and this is what I'm doing to change. Now people are like, whoa, wait, can you break this down an example? Because this just feels way too woo-woo mm, and yeah, feeling really for like? me. Correct, correct. I totally get it. I totally get it. So, <laughs> um, uh, okay, so let's talk about Let's talk about when I had a service-based business as a photographer. And during this time, my mom, she had battled brain cancer for about nine years. And I got to a point in my career where I just couldn't do it all. I felt so overwhelmed with all of the moving pieces. And I wrote candidly in a blog post, in a newsletter, that this was some of the emotions that I was experiencing. And I was making the decision to outsource a piece of my work because when my mom was on her deathbed, she wasn't talking about the things that she had done. She was talking about the things that she had not done. And I don't want to pick my head up off a desk eight years from now and think, wow, I have a great business. And where did my life go? And where did the people who mattered the most to me end up without me being there by themselves? And I can't tell you how resonant that emotion was because it identified with a lot of other photographers who felt the same way. And then Mm. this was me making a declaration. I am choosing to outsource a part of my business. And I talked about how difficult that was and what I faced and who I chose and why I chose them. And so then if we move this kind of like similar narrative into what I am doing right now, I send a weekly newsletter and I write them about 24 or 48 hours before they go out every week. And I use these newsletters, not as a plug, This is not the, and for a while, call. I was like, oh, the five metrics of good marketing in social media. And finally, it was fine. It was fine. And I was just like, this is just no longer me. It doesn't give me life. And so I write these newsletters right in the thick of, this is what I'm going through this week. This is what I'm learning. This is how I'm iterating. And I've gotten so much of a good response. Now it's been, it's been about a full year since I've really changed the way that the mm. newsletter, like the way that I was showing up in the newsletter, because it started off that way. Then I was like, no, no, no I got to be professional. I got to build my uh, status in the industry. And it works. But you find yourself just muscling yeah. through, trying to be like the next innovative forward thinking thought. And now I'm like, I would rather just give real life examples of what I'm doing, like the good, the bad, the suck, and then bring people along in that journey. And again, it is education. It's candor. But it's also, you know, this real palpable business on the ground person doing something. And I think that people really uh, latch on to that. Mm. That emotion, that is so powerful. The, the idea of asking, you know, what are you going through at the moment? And <clears throat> what does that look like? What are some actions you're taking? And then sharing that journey. Uh, I, I love that. So it sounds like you've kind of, you've gone between various ones, various kind of angles of, being professional, sharing the five strategies, and then sharing your personal, and it, and it kind of you know goes in between. 
one thing I've noticed about you, and it, it always like, it, it, even to a point of like, it really, it really amazes me actually when, when I, I, you know, I'll like jump on your website or I'll jump on something that you're doing. And, and I know that you run a very successful podcast. You're, you know, you run multiple businesses and even a SaaS company, essentially. You do so much. And then I'm like, she's still blogging. Like she's still doing like a a weekly blog and then you're doing YouTube. You'd, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl, Jasmine, my friend, is she is so consistent in delivering content to her audience. What is that? <laughs> like, talk to me about how does, because I feel like consistency is such a key part of actually being successful in this industry. How do you build that consistency in your life? Like, what is the the mental decisions you go through of when things get hard, things get tough, you're going through challenges, but you still get that piece of workout? What does that look like for you? Mm. So um, I read an article about the similarities between uh, Steph Curry and Kobe Bryant. And they were talking about one thing that they, they held true every single day, day in, day out, that they took 500 shots on a basket mm. at minimum. And so if you were to actually look at televised time of a professional basketball game, what we were seeing was about 7% of the work that they have put in day in, day out. They become the greatest of all time because the work that they do, 93% of it, we never see. So we look at them and we think that they walk around as talented demigods. And perhaps there's a sliver of that to be true, but so much of that is simply that they are willing to do the work that 99.99999 of us would never do. And I took such deep solace in this because, you know, Cole, I have to be very honest and I'm very forthcoming and I do have like a pretty keen sense of self-awareness. I know I am not Steph Curry and I know that I'm not Kobe Bryant. I know that there's a really good chance I might not go down as one of the top percent founders in business history. But another thing I know is that people who have a much higher natural skill set with more luxuries at their fingertips and more connections and more ability, that every day if I put in the work, a small, tiny piece of work, I will outmap those people. I will outgrow those people, not because I'm better but simply because I'm willing to do 93% behind the scenes that other people are not. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes the biggest, the biggest uh, pressure point that people will come to me and say, I have been consistent for 365 days and I have gotten nowhere. And I say, fact, fact. And then you look at somebody else who hasn't done half the amount of work, haven't done 90% of the amount of work that you have done. And they're at the same point as you are. And you throw your hands up and you wonder, why? Why am I doing this? Because when you enter in the next 365 days, what you have learned is stacking upon each other. Your lessons are stacking upon each other. Even if the lesson is a 1% lesson, you're going to be 365% farther along, even if the results are not there. And so every lesson that you put in, every piece of content that you put out, it is telling you something. Every newsletter that you put out is telling you something. Every video, every podcast, every stage, every course, it's telling you something. And many of us, myself included, 
need the ability to have the humility to say, that was the wrong decision. And that was embarrassing. And it feels like a gut chuck. And I made the worst possible. Like, I can't tell you, Colin, like how many mistakes I have made when I was launching. We spent months putting together this, I thought, freaking amazing launch that we paired up with tech that we developed from the ground up. And two days into it, I had to make the call and say, big mistake. We're closing not just the launch. We're closing this whole arm until we figure out what the heck went wrong. And I look back at that and was like, dang, I, that, that day was the day I'm like, I want to quit. This is, this is, this is crazy. Like we're crazy for doing the, wow, we sign up for this. And I think to myself, if I would have quit, that would be the day in history that I lost. I cannot lose if I don't quit. Alex Hermosi said Mm. that. And I am telling you, I am just like, period, the end, period, the end. And so when we talk about consistency, I just look at consistency as, well, today is the day I don't quit. So if I'm not going to quit, put a 1% thing in. It's not, it's not like sexy or inspiring. It's just the, the crappy work of the 93% that people don't see. And I'm willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, what, what really motivates you, Jasmine? What's, what's something that gets you up in the morning? Because you get up early. I, I will do. say that. I <laughs> like do. I see posts from you, you're like 4.30 a.m. out, out, <laughs> you know, doing yoga. I'm like, <laughs> what yoga studio opens <laughs> up at 4.30 a.m.? Well, Jasmine's found it. Colin, we're at Newport um, Beach. You know these OC moms out here working, working out all times, <laughs> all times a day, all times a day. But I'm curious about like, yeah, like what do you... What do you find is a big drive for you personally? I, I'm sure the listeners would love to know, like, what's a big fuel for you in terms of really growing and going to the next level? Because you, you face challenges all the time. And I know you've faced many challenges as you've built your business. But ha- like, what is the motivation underneath that? What, dr- what drives Jasmine Starr? I'm really curious. Um. I once heard somebody talk about, from a marketing perspective, uh, messaging. And people are more inclined to avoid pain than to seek pleasure. I mean, obviously, we all want pleasure. You know, we want the pleasure, but we will take more action to avoid pain. And I drew a parallel in my life thinking the thing that drives me also happens to be my greatest fear. And my greatest fear is not living up to my potential. And I think that probably my mom was really, my uh, like freshman year, sophomore year of high school, my mom started battling pretty severe asthma and uh, she was on life support a couple of times. I would be the one taking her to the hospital consistently, Colin. And wow. um, it, I was a sophomore in college when she was diagnosed with um, brain cancer. And so I lived probably about 25, 30 minute drive from my house. And so I'd be going home. I'd be taking mom to chemo treatments, radiation, brain surgeries. And I think, well, I'm quite certain that when you are around death or the potential of death, it shapes you in such like a visual way. It's like when when hospitals become like a part of the norm and when sickness and illness and loss are the norm, it really like shapes so much of the decisions that you make. And I thought to myself, and I think to myself, if I die, can I say, I get, I did it all. I sucked this lemon for all it was worth. I've wrung out this towel for every last drop. 
I have laid it out and I woke up and I said, I couldn't do anything more. And for so long, I lived under this auspice, like this cloud, this gray smoke of being like, you were so close. You saw it all the time. And I think to myself, what a gift, Colin, because the people in the hospital are no more or less likely to pass than the person who randomly gets struck by a bus. And so all of a sudden that really like changed my whole decision. It's like, and sometimes people will like say like, what's the last movie you watched? Or what are you binging on Netflix? And I sit there and I'm like, I, I, uh, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know, Colin. I don't know what's popular. I don't know what the good movies are. I don't know who's up for Academy Award. I don't know like what's trending on Netflix because as a personal decision and no judgment of anybody else, I just think to myself, Am I living my life so that if tomorrow was my last day, I said, you spent it all the best you could. And that's the driver. That's the driver. I love that. I so resonate with that. That's how I feel as well. Uh, my, my biggest fear in life is not getting judged by other people, not mm. feeling like an offer is not going to work. It is getting to the end of my life and, and looking back and going, I really didn't go for it. Like mm. there was so many fears that I listened to. And because of that, I, I live small. Mm. Um, and that's, that's my biggest fear. It's the reason why we initially moved to the US. I was like, would I regret this at the end of my life if I didn't at least give it a go? Like, even if it wasn't successful. That's right. And I was like, yeah, I'd fully regret it. Like, at least not just giving it a go. And um, so I so resonate with that. For, for people, Jasmine, who are, you know, maybe they've ran a launch before. Um, and by the way, uh, we probably should unpack the idea of a launch as well. Like what are some different launch mechanisms that people can use? And then my second follow-up is I want to talk about launching on the next level because I think people get stuck. Like they maybe they run a webinar or they run a, a boot camp or something like that as a launch and then they get stuck at like $10,000 and they can't get above that. So I'd love to talk about like what that looks like to go to the next level. But first of all, can you just give your framework for like if someone said, what is a launch, which we probably should have looked at earlier, but a lot of our listeners are coaches and course creators, like they kind of get it. Uh, but from just quickly, your perspective of a launch, and then let's talk about what it means to launch on the next level. Um, in the simplest terms, I would define a launch as making an offer in a designated time frame that incentivizes a consumer to be educated, have a timeline, and then invest. Mm, and I think that, that the, the most important thing about a launch that I learned um, when I first started launching was that having a timeline of some sort mm. was the very thing that really drove results. And I think That's that right. as I've developed my business and my acumen, I've noticed how much of the human psychology I began to study and how much it plays into really laying out of the proper timeline for a launch. So it is a designated time frame for when you make an offer that allows a person to be educated, think about it, and then make an investment decision. Nice. I love it. Now, if people want, uh, are, they've, maybe they've ran a launch before and they're stuck, what, what advice do you give to people and do, reflecting on your journey from going from, you know, small launches to a 250 to a million dollar plus launch? Like what have been some decisions that you made along that journey to really go to that next level? So I'm going to use an example and I won't use his name. We actually uh, were dialoguing um, on Instagram DM and 
I really loved his outlook, but he was really disappointed because he had gone through a course creation program. He had put together his course. He felt good about the course. And then he went in and was teaching a webinar. And he was really excited because he taught three webinars and about 60 to 75 people signed up and showed up. Almost, almost, it was like an over 90% show up rate. And I was like, this is incredible. Like what? I was like, okay, but here's the crazy thing. Before we move on from there, I said, you had a 90 plus percent show up rate. Like that is unheard of. Like, so before we actually get into why you're disappointed, when we don't fully understand the norms, we have a tendency to hold ourselves Mm -hmm. to standards and ideas that do not align with reality. So let's not talk about the outcome quite yet. Let's celebrate the fact that what you did, so few people are doing. It means that people are interested and they really want to hear from you. So let's celebrate that. And then he said he made the offer and he had people staying on till the end of his webinar and through Q&A and he made the offer and nobody bought. Three times over, didn't get a single sale. And so I acknowledge the disappointment of not getting that. But one thing, having that 90% show up rate, having the vast majority of people stay on until the end, what has happened is I said, the only lesson that we need to learn here is that in the webinar, if you were teaching something to somebody that was going to require them to do more work on the back end before they even came up with an answer, before they could decide this is the thing. And so the way that he had pitched it was said, well, you are going to need to hear this before you move on. And I said, but you want somebody to make a decision right there on the call or within that gestation period of one week. And chances are they're not going to hear that. So you told them you need to hear this before you actually transact when you know that that's actually an impossibility. People will hardly get to taking action and learning what they need in just a week. And you know that. So it's almost like you set yourself up not for the conversion. And he said, I never saw it that way. I'm going to go back. I'm going to reframe the questions I'm asking and I'm going to do it again. And I said, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Every time you launch, you learn something. You learn something Mm. about language. You learn something about messaging. You learn something about your posture. Like for years, Colin, listen, people say, Jasmine, you talk fast. I've always said, Colin, I don't talk fast. You listen slow. So come on. But I realized that I was doing myself a disservice by getting so excited and passionate and moving past ideas and frameworks and stepping stones that'd be like, ta-da, now you got it, let's go. And people are like, uh, I'm still on step one. You're on five. How did we get there? And so you only learn that stuff by doing it again and again and again. And I think that as, as every launch we've iterated, I will always put money away. A portion of every launch, I'll put it away because I put that back into R&D. I actually, I, I have come to believe that paying somebody who has done it before or is just wildly better at it, they are going to charge you a boatload. But the amount of time that it took for them to learn it, they have distilled it and are teaching it to you in 155th of the amount of time. And so I spend a lot of money meeting with consultants, having people go through funnels, landing pages, messaging. And I think that what I'm doing in every time I'm meeting from a consultant, I'm actually building a framework that I would then be able to teach somebody else. It's not enough for me. I've always, I mean, I'm going to, maybe I'll push somebody away by saying this, but you know, I, I promised God when I started my business that whatever I learned, I would share it with other people. And I'm like, if you just, if I, if I could just, if I can just meet these people, if I could just learn this thing, if I could just do this, then I would share it. Like, I'm not going to siphon it. And every time I share Colin, 
it just keeps on like tenfold, tenfold. So I'm looking at the things that I'm investing in and then building out smaller frameworks that could be didactic and people could follow through and apply it to their own business. And so, you know, my sisters always say like, I spend too much money on clothes and then I give my clothes to them. They're like, it's like Reaganomics. You spend the money, which is the trickle down for us. And I want to do the same thing for business education. Like I want to invest, I want to spend, I want to learn and then be able to distill down and share with others. These are, these are great. I love this. So for me, what I'm hearing is it is you, you do it and then you learn you uh, adjust, you invest as well. And I'm so I'm such a big fan of that because I feel like the revenue is in the repetition and it's in the the learning as you do it and you can keep on growing. Now, I know that you are actually running a class pretty soon uh, and it's going to be all about how to double your revenue using a launching model in under 60 days. And you're going to kind of lay out the whole launch plan and what that looks like and so forth. So could you talk to our audience a little bit about that um, masterclass and, and what the goal of that is? Well, um, we actually started this story with the first course, Insta 180. And I said, I gave myself two months to get it going. And so I wouldn't put together this idea of framework of something I hadn't done. And so mm. I absolutely put it together in two months, which is why I'm like, we're going to go through this. And I didn't want to teach a course. Oh, so we're calling it a live course experience. I am teaching these classes in real time because I don't want to create a static video and then have like a bunch of questions. I want us to be able to say like, look at what people are doing. So what happens is when we do live classes in like a community-based education, we siloed, we'll come up with excuses. What's not possible? This is too much. I don't have enough. I don't have this. But if you're in a group and you see somebody who's doing it faster with less, it removes all excuses. And so I kind of am just like, we're going to change the way that education's done by removing our limiting beliefs because we want to tell ourselves a story to make us feel safe. Ah, no, time to get a little uncomfortable. But before we get there, um, the class is talking about doubling your revenue in 60 days using a proven launch plan. And we're going to be going through the four main pillars. And like always, Colin, you know, you've been to some of my trainings. I want to teach people so they walk away and they can absolutely start and implement at least on a few things to start moving their launches. And so- uh, we're going to go through these four things that really have translated into multi seven figure launches and being able to do it with a group of people, the things that I've learned, the frameworks that I've learned. Oh, I remember how I told you it's like I pay for a consultant that I build a framework. I'll be teaching those frameworks on this class. So there you go. There you go. Stay true to God. My promise is there. <laughs> that is so good. Guys, I want to I want to say with this specifically, um, I know Jasmine and, and her team are moving into a whole new season of their business. So you don't want to miss out on this because she is going to reveal and share some some content on this that she hasn't taught before. And it's a whole new season of her business. And I always say the best time to to like to check it out is right at the start of the people's next season. And this is really fresh, really new from Jasmine. And so if you want to go and check that out, it you can just go, there's a link in the show notes, or you can go to Colin Boyd co forward slash Jasmine, columnboy.co forward slash Jasmine. We'll put a link in the show notes. So uh, definitely go and sign up for that. Check it out. I think it's going to be phenomenal. And Jasmine always over, over delivers. Now, if you are a big podcast listener and you haven't listened to Jasmine's show, please go and check that out as well. The Jasmine Star Show. Uh, is there anywhere else that you would love to point them to, Jasmine? Obviously, no, that's your great. Instagram, very generous, very great. There. No, these live classes are amazing. I love connecting with people in real time. And mm. so we do 
live business coaching and Q&A. So you can come on camera. We could talk about everything that goes into a launch and your experience with it. I love breaking things down and then rebuilding in the light of sharing what you're doing with other people as well. So I'd mm -hmm. love to do that. So callinboy.co oh, so forward slash Jasmine. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Now, uh, we, kind of, we kind of touched on this, Jasmine. My last question, but I'd love to really kind of get your thoughts on this. Imagine it is the end of your life and people are literally standing around talking about you. It's your, it's your friends, it's your family, it's your daughter, it's your colleagues, it's people standing around reflecting on your life, the impact you've had on them. What would be your hope that they would, they would be whispering to each other about Jasmine? I, my greatest hope would be that they say she gave more than she had, and she had a lot. <laughs> Love that, Jasmine. Hey, it's, uh, it's a pleasure having you in my life and Thank JD, you, your beautiful husband and uh, beautiful. He, I, I, it's, it's rare that I say beautiful about a man, but um, JD is a beautiful man. Because what, and, uh, Colin, what you see is what I see. He's beautiful from the inside out, right? He's thoughtful. He, is. he cares about the details. He's so like in tune. Like if you're talking to him, you're the only person in the world. And so he's very like his attention to detail. Yes, he is. He is absolutely beautiful inside out. He is. He is. So good. It's been, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, guys. Go and check out colinboyd.co forward slash Jasmine and uh, sign up for that class because I think it's going to be phenomenal. Bless you, Jasmine. Thanks for coming Thank on the show and uh, we'll see you on the next Expert Edge episode. Thank Bye. you. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.